Grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There are times as a pastor when you spend hours and hours trying to think of the best illustration possible. God presents you with some profound, deep, incredible truth in his word, and you go, okay, how can I put this into a picture that that people are going to relate to and understand, is going to be vivid, it's going to stick with people, and you spend hours and hours and hours, and you try to think of something like that, and ultimately, sometimes you hit the mark, sometimes you miss the mark. Well, today, brothers and sisters, I do not need to come up with a better picture than the one that we see in the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel, so that was back when there were two kingdoms. There was the northern tribes, there was the southern tribes, and Hosea was in the northern kingdom of Israel during the reign of the great King Jeroboam II. And to be real honest, in, in living in that land at that time, things were cushy. Things were going well. There was great financial prosperity. There was safety. There was comfort. The people of Israel were respected. And things seemed to be going extremely well under King Jeroboam II to the point that people began to get physically fat and happy and spiritually rotten. Yes, we see Hosea enters the picture in a time in which that spiritual rot has completely infested every aspect of the kingdom of Israel, and it really has reached its pinnacle in their worship practices. They had traded normal worship practices, these blessings that God had given to them, this way to be, to be fed by him and to offer their worship to, them, to him. They had exchanged those for the ways of the Canaanites around them. They had taken the things that God had given to them and they exchanged them. They traded them for these acts of wickedness so much to the point that temple prostitution had made its way into God's people. That that was seen as an active good in the lives of God's people. That some people even thought it was an act of worship. And then God says, all right, Hosea, time to take care of that. So we see Hosea step onto the scene. He's supposed to be this prophet to this kingdom that is completely straying from what God has to say. And then God says, oh, but wait, Hosea, I am going to pick for you a wife. And you could imagine maybe Hosea goes, awesome. I am headed into an incredibly difficult period of my life. He knew that he was going to be rejected by the people. He was going to be calling on them to repent, and they were going to say, we don't want anything to do with you. He knew that he was going to need encouragement and sustenance, and he was going to need somebody by his side. And so God says, I've chosen for you a wife. And then he gives some characteristics. And maybe, uh, maybe, When you were younger, maybe you put together, whether it was on paper or it was a mental list of characteristics that you would love out of of a spouse. Maybe that was started with tall, dark, and handsome and just kind of kept going from there. Uh, Funny, smart, loving, kind, a good parent, faithful, God-fearing. The list could go on and on. 
But you know what ones definitely weren't on that list? Adulterous. Unfaithful. Unloving. And yet in Hosea chapter 1, that's exactly what we hear about Hosea's new wife. That he was going to marry somebody that by all accounts, from what we can tell best, was a prostitute. And God says, go marry this person. Why? Because I want to use that relationship in order to show to every single Israelite that sees you that this is my relationship with you. And so we're going to do something a little different with Hosea than what we'll often do with sermons. And because we've only got five verses of chapter 3, we're going to look at each of those verses individually because each of them has something very different to explain to us about our relationship with God and the lengths to which he will go in order to save us from our sin. And we'll start in verse 1. It says, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the raisin cakes. So just a little background, we're now in chapter 3 of Hosea, and from what we can tell, Hosea married this woman, had kids with her, and then she left him to go back to her old way of living. She'd stepped away from the marriage, and she had gone back to, to maybe even those, those prostituting ways. And you would imagine that Hosea is feeling pretty humiliated at this point. That all of the people in his life look and go, what a chump. They look at him and they go, this, this man has been abandoned. And he's hurting. And he's lonely. And he chose this for himself. That's where Hosea finds himself. And yet God doesn't say, yeah, Hosea, it's, it's pretty okay to feel bad for yourself today. No, he says those words. He says, go show your love to your wife again. Go out there, find her, chase her down, and show her love. Don't go begrudgingly. Don't go just because I told you to, but go actually, genuinely, deeply love that human being that has treated you so poorly. You would imagine that when Hosea, in chapter 1, heard all of the characteristics of, of his new wife, that when he stepped to the altar before God, he kind of had an idea of what he was getting into. He had to kind of expect that there were going to be a couple hiccups along the way. I had a feeling that he, he probably knew that there was going to be some unfaithfulness and, and what he was going to deal with. And the truth is, the same way goes for God and his covenant with Israel. Hosea still said, I do, to that woman. And when God made his covenant with the people of Israel, God still said, I know what's coming in your future, but I'll still take you on. And that's exactly what we hear about ourselves today. That God makes a covenant with us. He says, I am going to love you. I am going to chase after you. I am going to show my deep affection to you. And he still knows exactly what's coming in our lives. He knows that, that there will be times in which we turn away from him. 
He knows that there will be times that, that we almost wind up with this attention span of a poorly trained dog, and we look, at, we look at everything else in this life as really, really good, but we don't focus on God as the source of everything good. He knew the type of spouse we were going to be to him. He knew what his church was going to be like. And he still said, yep, over and over and over again, I'm going to chase after you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to get you back. And so we move into chapter or into verse 2 where we actually see maybe the most embarrassing moment in this entire account when it says, from Hosea himself, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about an omer and a lethic of barley. He pays of himself to get her back. You would imagine that maybe, maybe when she left, Hosea went, a little bit of a relief. But he doesn't act that way. He goes out, and he doesn't just say, all right, come on back. No, he had to pay for her because she was possessed by someone else. And so he empties his pockets for her. He says, this, this I'm willing to give up for you. This is what I'm willing to do for you. It, it almost seems unconditional. And that word unconditional, unconditional love, sounds so, so beautiful to us. And we love the idea of unconditional love in this world. But on our part, that is so tough. There are so many people in this world that feel like they are deserving of our love. We might love our kids or our spouse or, or our friends, our family, um, our, our co-workers, people that, that make our lives actively better. And we go, that is a great reason to show love to you. And I want to say that it's unconditional love. But often, there are limits, aren't there? But the love that we see in Christ has no limits. The love that we see in Christ Jesus goes the extra mile. I don't know about you, but occasionally, occasionally you just start to feel bad about yourself. And maybe you wake up in a mo on a morning and you just say, God, I want to make you proud today. I want to make you proud so bad. I just want to do something to be someone who is worthy of your love. God, if only I could just be that person that I would love to be, somebody that you look at and you go, see, that's why I love you. But that's not really how it works, is it? No, God doesn't love us because he looks in our hearts and, and maybe sees faith down the line or he sees some of the good things we're going to do. No, he loves us not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Because the depths of the fountain of God's love run deeper and deeper and deeper than you and I could possibly imagine. God looks at us and he sees unlovable, but I'm going to love you anyway. It's a love that we can barely even fathom, but it's one that we see on the cross. When Jesus, who was lovable, who was that perfect, perfect person in God's life, who God looked at and said, yes, you have reason for me to love you because you do everything just as I command. 
that same Jesus God was willing to empty his pockets of and say, here, take the lovable so that I can win the unlovable. It's a foreign love to us. It's one that we can only understand through faith. But then notice that that Hosea doesn't turn into some type of enabler. He doesn't just show up and go, you know what, it's okay. Don't worry about it. The sin wasn't that bad. Just come on back. No, there's there's something more to it. There's there's now a standard. If you look at verse 3, it says, Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. It's a, it's a concept that we've been talking about in Peace Academy a little bit lately. We've thrown around the words cheap grace. People get very concerned about cheap grace. And the idea is that because we believe by grace alone and by faith alone, and we take our works completely out of the salvation equation, that we would look and go, well, then why not keep sinning? Why can I not live in sin if I have a God who's going to save me every single time? But God calls us not not to think that way. Hosea called his wife and said, you are now freed from the grips of this other person and now you are mine and we are going to live together in this very specific way. And God says the same thing to us. He says, you are free from sin's grip. I have brought you back. I have bought you back. But now you and I are going to live together in a very different way. It's almost like there are two ideas going on here. One, there is a constant reminder from God, I am going to pursue you. I am going to chase you down with my love every step of the way. But then he also says, but don't get so comfortable that that leaving me behind seems like no big deal. Don't get so comfortable in sin that you can walk away and go, don't worry, God's going to come after me. It'll be fine. No, God says that this is a battle. That we, we wake up, we get into a fist fight with our sinful nature. We oftentimes get clocked, get knocked down. He picks us back up, brushes off our shirt and says, get back in there. That's the life we live. A life not in reveling in pet sins and carrying them around with us, but a life of putting them in the past. Of saying, this will not define me and this will not own me. That's the life that Jesus gives to us and that's the life that this new life that Hosea was giving to his bride that day. And then he continues with our next verse. In verse 4 it says, For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Flash forward just a few years, and the Assyrians were going to come in and just sack the northern kingdoms. They were going to destroy them. They were going to carry them off into captivity. They were going to oppress them, to split them up, to relocate them. They were going to be crushed by those northern kingdoms, or by, by those, that Assyrian empire. And God tells his people here that, that that's coming. And there's a reason that that's coming. That there would be this time in which they were living in this this life of difficulty and pain because he didn't want them to continue to revel in their sin. Could you imagine 
if our sins didn't have consequences? Could you imagine if we could uh, fall into to a sin of adultery or addiction or greed or you name it, and we never saw any consequences for it? What would we do? We would never have that moment in which God shakes us and says, wake up. This isn't what I want for you. And so God tells Hosea, tell those people, I am going to shake them and I'm going to shake them real hard because I need them back to me. It's an act of love. An act of love when God reaches into our lives and shakes us by the front of our shirt and says, what are you doing? And it's often an act of love that, that hurts, but it's one that God means uses in order to draw us back to him. I think that's something that, that we find really difficult. This idea that we, we, would be, we would be miserable and we would have difficulties in our lives. We want to escape those as quickly as we possibly can. And we often wonder why they're there. But I, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, what we ought to do is, is look and wonder, is there something that I need to change about my life? Is there some call that God is, is putting out to me saying, change from this and live with me now. Even that, brothers and sisters, is an act of unbelievable love in our lives. And then he finishes it off. I don't know if you know how the northern king's history ends, but it is not a, and they all lived happily ever after kind of ending. They disappear. They are hauled off into captivity, and we do not hear of a, a restoration here on this earth. They are taken away. They are crushed and we don't hear from them as, as a kingdom ever again. And so we read verse 5, when, when God promises through Hosea, afterward the Israelites will return and seek their Lord, their God, and David, their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last day. God was saying, nope. No restoration now on earth. No easy life, no, no vindication here on earth. No, I'm using this act to turn you spiritually so that you're facing me. And that's what we know happened. That there were individuals, maybe not the entire, not in the entire kingdom, but there were individuals in that kingdom that took that moment and realized, my God, my God, what have I done? And that even in this, even in this tragic situation, God brought his people back to him. One, uh, one thing that happens in marriages is people tend to think they're always right. I know some of us might be a little shocked by that. That's a sin that, that manifests itself so, so boldly in, in marriages where where you think, I'm doing what's right for the marriage, you're doing what's wrong. I care about forgiveness, you don't care about forgiveness. I want to live in peace, you don't want to live in peace. And it's almost always wrong, right? Two sinners causing issues in their marriage. But that's not the picture that God is giving us today. No, brothers and sisters, I do not suggest that you, you use Hosea as a model for picking out your spouse. That doesn't seem like a very good idea. But instead, 
see it as a model for the way that our Savior loves his church. That although this church is filled with broken people that, that walk away and leave his graces behind, God still relentlessly, ambitiously, and completely comes after you in love and says, I will do anything to bring you back to me. When you are weak, I will be strong. When you are unfaithful, I will be faithful. And when you are unlovable, yes, I will come with my almighty love to cover you. Your Lord is not going anywhere. And when we go somewhere, he follows right after. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard and keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.